this morning. We'll care to read off of the wall on the screens. I have a very uh, short scripture setting we would like to read this morning, found in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15. The Bible says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Everybody say, be ye thankful. For the third of you that said, be ye thankful, thank you. For the other two-thirds that didn't say anything, let's do it, try it again. Everybody say, be ye thankful. God bless you this morning. Turn around again and greet somebody and say, it looks like you ate too much. And then you may be seated this morning. I want to speak to you a few minutes this morning on this topic, Ascend to Thanksgiving. Now, I know that Pastor preached a wonderful Thanksgiving message last week. But before he preached, I had no idea what he was going to preach, and I had already sent in this material to Casey for the slides and all of that. And so it's, uh, it's quite um, striking to me that God has chosen two Thanksgiving messages back to back. Maybe God's trying to say something. Maybe we need to be thankful Maybe we should be thankful for a change. Don't say that mean. Do you know the original Thanksgiving dinner looked a lot different than the dinner that most of us had this past week? Although the exact menu for the first Thanksgiving dinner is forever gone, we do catch a glimpse of what it was like through the only two remaining writings of people that actually attended that dinner. Mr. Edward Winslow and Mr. William Bradford. Most likely on the original Thanksgiving dinner menu was seafood and fish, fowl, that could have been a turkey or an eagle. I'm glad we didn't have to eat eagle, but that was common. Deer, Indian corn, which is not what you're thinking of corn, dried berries, squash, acorns, and hickory nuts, honey, eggs, and pumpkin pudding. I'm not sure about that either. What was not on the original Thanksgiving meal menu was honey-baked ham. And what a travesty that was. There was no cornbread stuffing. There were no sweet potatoes. There was no corn on the cob or that little blob of jellied cranberry sauce that comes in the can. Whoever came up with that, I'm not going to ask who actually eats that. I think we just buy it, put it on the table, and it just sits there and we throw it away. But the real heartache about the original Thanksgiving meal is there was no pie of any kind. And there was no sweet tea. We have a lot to be thankful for in America in 2016. 
because I'm sure that none of us uh, went without these great luxuries, and so I'm thankful for that. But as a rule in our society today, people are very unthankful. There seems to be a spirit of complaining. There seems to be a spirit of complaining. We complain, or our society seems to complain about everything. It doesn't matter what happens, we're not happy. I was talking with somebody at work today, uh, not today, but this past week, about the drought that we're in. And I'll say, you know, it wasn't very long ago that we had an abundance of rain. In fact, it seemed like we couldn't get rid of rain. It rained so much that so many people flooded. And then I think it was over 20 days after that, every day it rained. And I remember driving down the road, watching the rain hit my windshield. And I bowed my head and I said, God, enough with the rain, really. We've had enough. We can't dry out. So God said, okay. And now we're in a drought. And people are praying, God, send the rain. And God's saying, I did two months ago, and you weren't happy then. There seems to be this spirit of complaining, and I'm not going to dwell on that long, but the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, that an a, a unthankful attitude or an unthankful spirit leads to vain imaginations and foolish, darkened hearts. That is the result of not being thankful. But I'm not going to dwell on that today. The Bible says and covers 105 times the spirit and the actions of thanksgiving. In the whole word of God, 105 times God deals with humanity and the actions and the spirits of this thing we call thanksgiving. 105, and we'll cover each one of them in detail today. It's going to be tough today. I'm just kidding. We'll talk about three. How's that? You can breathe easier. Is everybody okay today? The first one I want to talk about is found in Psalms chapter 100 and verse 4. The Bible says, the psalmist wrote, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Enter, and I want to emphasize this part of the scripture reading, to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. The first point that I want to make that the Bible covers about thanksgiving is the purpose of thanksgiving. This is the reason why we are to be thankful. The Old Testament tabernacle was completely surrounded by a linen fence according to God's plan to build it. With only one gate, that gate opened to the east. Uh, The gate was made of linen curtains that were stretched across this opening between the pillars. And through that gate with the the people would have to enter to sacrifice or to worship or to give to God what it was that they wanted to do. They had to enter through this gate. And this is what the psalmist is using 
and to uh, this plan to illustrate to us the purpose of thanksgiving. It is this gate that he talks about when you enter into the gate. He's not talking about the gate that you would keep the cows out with. He's not talking about the gate that you would put across the road to keep people from getting on your property. He's talking about the gate that was at the tabernacle that you would walk through to sacrifice, to worship, to praise, to give your, uh, to give your worship to God. He's talking about this gate and is the purpose of, the, of, of, of our thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, the psalmist is saying in this scripture, prepares us to meet with God. Thanksgiving prepares you to meet with God. It's the first step. Our minds, and through the action of thanksgiving, our minds become focused on God. In a time of blessing in our life, when we are thankful, it acknowledges that God is the source of all blessing. It acknowledges that God is the reason that we're blessed. It acknowledges that God has the power to bless us. It acknowledges that God is the reason that we're blessed. And so we're thankful when we are blessed in our life. But through trial and tribulation and difficulty, being thankful acknowledges to God that you're the only one that can help me now. That God, I'm surrendering everything to you. It's not going good in my life. Maybe there's a trial or a circumstance. But God, I'm thankful anyway because I know you have the power to minister and I know you have the power to deliver. So behind this gate, that the psalmist is speaking about stood the brazen altar of repentance. Behind this gate is the brazen labor of the purifying and symbolizes baptism. Behind this gate stood the golden candlestick of the revelation of the word of God, the table of showbread, which is a type of God's word in being applied into our life. It was the altar of incense as a type of worship. And behind this gate was the holies of holies where the ark of the covenant rested, which is the type, it was the very presence of God. It all was behind the gate of thanksgiving. So as much as the Old Testament worshiper would have to physically part the linen curtains aside and enter through that gate that, that David said that we should enter through with thanksgiving, as much as they would have to part that aside and step behind that gate to begin their ritual worship and their sacrifice to God, so we must prepare to enter into His presence through the act of thanksgiving. It prepares us to be in the presence of God when we just say, God, I'm thankful. God, I have so much to be thankful for. If this morning you're breathing, then you have something to be thankful for. If this morning you rode to church in an automobile, you have something to be thankful for. I remember several years ago, one of the missionaries that came to Grace Church from Africa was telling us a story of a Bible conference that they hosted in the church that they, were, uh, that they pastored in Africa. It was a three-day conference. There was a man that attended that conference and they began to fellowship with him and found out that he was from a village about 90 miles away. But it wasn't 90 miles down a four-lane highway. It wasn't 90 miles 
down a well-worn two-lane country road. It was 90 miles through very very treacherous and dangerous and wild animal-infested and robber-infested woods. There was no road. In fact, he, he, just, he just walked that 90 miles. He left three days before his, uh, before his planned destination, before he would arrive there, and it took him three days to walk. And he was alone, and he camped out into the, in the wilderness, in the jungle, by himself for three days just to get to a Bible conference to hear him for to preach and teach for three days, knowing that when the three days of Bible conference was over, he would have to walk those same woods and, and, and face the same dangers and face the same peril as he did getting there. The three days of the Bible conference, he slept outside underneath a tree. He had no food. He had nothing. Because, but he was so desperate and so hungry for the Word of God and to hear about the Word of God. It didn't matter. And he was thankful that he was able to be here. We have a lot to be thankful for in the United States of America on a Sunday morning after Thanksgiving. We have a lot to be thankful for. And I think we ought to say, God, I'm thankful for your blessings. I'm thankful for your blessings. I'm thankful for your blessings in my life. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The interesting thing about the tabernacle in the Old Testament, and I love to teach that part in home Bible study because it's so wonderful. There's so much there. It was a type of things to come, and, and there's so much there. But if, if I can have you imagine, I'll have to do this on air today. Are y'all good with writing on air and stuff like that? If you can imagine right here is the gate, and then right here is the the brazen altar, and then right here is the brazen laver, and then there's the door of the tabernacle that you would go into, and, and then when you would go straight, if you do a straight line, there would be the altar of incense, and then to the left and to the right of it would be the table of showbread and the gold and the candlestick, and then when you move past the altar of incense through the veil, you would come to the Ark of the Covenant. And so when man approaches God... We leave the congregation, so to speak, or the general assembly of humanity and we walk through the gate of thanksgiving and then we go to the altar and then the laver and then we enter into the holy place and there's the candlesticks and, and there's the, the showbread and there's the altar of incense and right past that is the ark of the covenant of God's presence. That's how we go to God. But God starts out and the Ark of the Covenant, he starts out in the holy place and understand how he gets to man. He comes to man through worship and then he comes to man through the illumination of the word of God and the table of showbread and then he continues out of the holies of holies and, and he, he comes to baptism and then there's repentance and then he gets, meets man at the gate of thanksgiving. That's where we meet God is in the gate of thanksgiving. How many miracles here this morning? How many blessings here this morning? How many healings that are in this place today? How many answered prayers are standing just on the other side of the gate of thanksgiving? If somehow today on this Sunday, and I know thanksgiving is over and 
We really didn't want to hear about it today, but somehow on this Sunday after Thanksgiving, if we could just muster a little bit in our heart again to say, God, I'm thankful about where I'm at today and I'm thankful for who you are, that God wouldn't intervene, that God wouldn't minister, that God wouldn't bless. The purpose of Thanksgiving is to prepare us to meet God. The second part of Thanksgiving that I want to talk about today is found in Jonah chapter 2 verses 1 through 10. The book of Jonah is so interesting. There's so much here but Jonah chapter 2 verse 1 through 10. The Bible says and Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. Where was Jonah? Where was Jonah? You can respond. In the fish's belly. He prayed out to the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. How many of you believe that God answers prayers, prayed? out of the uh, belly of the fish or out of the circumstance of the trial when you pray out of affliction, God, I'm afflicted. Sure he does. And he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, into the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I, then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me around about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet thou hast brought me up. My life from corruption, O Lord my God, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came unto thee into thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercies, but I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that what I vow, salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon dry land. The second thing of uh, the second point of thanksgiving that I want to make this morning is the place of thanksgiving. It's the place of thanksgiving. We've talked about the purpose of it. Jonah, while he was in this the belly of this great fish for his obedience, began to pray, and he even states that he cries out in affliction. Oh, God, save me. Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, I'm in a dire situation here. God, I'm in dire straits here. God, I just got a phone call from the doctor, and it don't look good. God, I just got a phone call from the attorney, and it doesn't look like it's going to go my way. 
God, I just got this bad news. God, I just got laid off. And you can fill in the blanks. And we cry out to God in our affliction. This is the reason Jonah was praying. I can guarantee you, if I had just been swallowed by a fish, I would be praying too. And you can sit there and look at me, but you would be praying. He was complaining about his present state of his life. He was telling God about how horrible it was. He even says, I'm in hell, God. Brother Tenney made a statement years ago that if you're going through hell, don't stop there. Keep moving. Keep going. He said that he was in the deep, that he was out of the sight of God, that the weeds had wrapped themselves around his neck. He was at the bottom of the mountains and his soul fainted. What a poor state of life for somebody to be in. Some of you might be able to to identify with that a little bit where it feels like you may be at in life today, but in all of Jonah's praying and his affliction and all of his complaining about his problem and his situation, he stayed right where he was at. Jonah never moved out of his affliction as long as he was complaining about his affliction. God never swooped in with angel wings and delivered Jonah out of this great fish that the Bible says he had prepared for him as long as as Jonah was complaining about where he was at. But I want to tell you this morning, in verse 10, in the middle of this fish's bellies, he started telling God how thankful he was. Uh, And the Bible says he began to give thanksgiving unto God. And God spoke to that fish and gave him indigestion. There's something about Thanksgiving that'll give your problem indigestion. It'll give your problem a stomach ache and say, I got to get rid of this person. I can't hold on to them any longer. They're causing me trouble. It was then and only then when Jonah said, I begin to thank God for what he's done. I can imagine and I try to imagine how big it was in the belly of a fish. I don't know if he had room to raise his hands. If you watch the VeggieTale version, they had ships, choirs, and everything else in there. If you've never seen the VeggieTale version, you need to see it. But I'm not sure it was that big, but I can just imagine Jonah in the belly of this fish and he begins to struggle maybe to get a hand above his head a little bit and begin to say, God, I thank you for where I'm at right now because I know you're teaching me a lesson. God, I'm thankful for where I'm at right now because I know that you're taking me to a destiny and to a future that I was trying to run from. But God, you've got me in your hand and the fact that I've been here three days and I haven't been consumed lets me know that you still have your hand on me and lets me know that you're going to take me right where you want me and that I'm going to be delivered right where you want me to be delivered and when you want to. So I thank you, God, for what you're doing. I thank God for the power that you are demonstrating in my life right now. And at that moment, when Thanksgiving began to ease out of Jonah's lips, God spoke to that fish. 
and said, get rid of him, boy, right where I told you and put him on the dry land. How much more would God do for us uh, if in the middle of our affliction we could raise our hands instead of complain and say God I thank you uh, for all of the blessing in my life I wish somebody here this morning would just stand up uh, and despite what it looks like uh, say God I thank you God I thank you God I thank you I'm thankful this morning for your spirit I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost I'm thankful for your blessing I'm thankful for your kindness hallelujah oh hallelujah 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 praise the Lord God bless you you may be seated so I want to tell you this morning if in this recent flood you flooded Be thankful because God is the great builder and architect. If you stay dry, be thankful for he's the sure foundation. This morning, if you're sick, be thankful that you're sick because he's the healer. If you're healthy, be thankful because he's the keeper. If you're poor, be thankful because he supplies our needs. If you're rich, be thankful because he's the generous giver. If you're broken, be thankful for he's the creator of life. If you're whole, be thankful simply because he's able. Hallelujah. Our being thankful is not predicated on our state of being in life, but it is predicated on an attitude that says, God, I'm going to be thankful despite my circumstance. H.U. Westermayer said the pilgrims made seven times more graves than they did huts. No Americans have ever been more impoverished than these. Nevertheless, they set aside a day for Thanksgiving. What an incredible statement. Through all of the heartache that the founding fathers went through, they still set aside a day of thanksgiving. The place of thanksgiving is right where you are at this morning. Whether you're in the fish's belly or on dry land, we just need to give thanks. We just need to give thanks. And then in Luke 17, 15 through 19, Luke 17 records an incredible story. I love this story, and I'm not going to read the whole thing this morning for the sake of time. I promised I wouldn't take a long time this morning. I can if you want me to. And there's several people going. In Luke 17, 15 through 19, the Bible says, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And so Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Where, uh, were, there, uh, were there not any found who returned to give God glory except this foreigner? And he said unto him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you whole. I want to talk to you for just another moment about the power of thanksgiving. We've talked about the purpose. We've talked about the place. 
And now I want to talk to you about the power of thanksgiving. Luke 17 records the story of these 10 men. They had the most feared illness of their time, an illness called leprosy. Leprosy is cruel. Leprosy is a hard, cold-blooded killer. You see, leprosy starts eating away at the body. And I don't want to be too gruesome or gross here. But it starts at the extremities. It begins to consume the flesh, and so literally your appendages begin to fall off and rot off until eventually it gets to your vital area and you die. It's very gruesome. It's a horrible way for someone to go. And so the, the Bible in Luke chapter 17 records this story of these 10 men with leprosy. And in verse 12, the Bible says that they stood at a distance and they cried unto Jesus, have mercy on us. You see, lepers were not allowed to be within six feet of anybody, even their loved ones. It didn't matter who they were. They could not get within six feet of them. They were not allowed even to live within the walls of the city. But they had to be cast out of the city and they were completely avoided. Everybody that went in and out of the city did their best to avoid the lepers so that they would not contract such a horrible disease and they were left out there to die. And and sometimes family and friends would carry little bags of food out and leave it on the side of the road and then run away so that their loved one could eat. But on this day, on this day, The lives of these lepers would change forever. As Jesus entered the village, they cried out, Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus, in his wisdom and in his power, he didn't go lay hands on them and he didn't slobber on them and all of those things. He just said, go show yourself to the priest. Do what you're supposed to do according to the law. Show yourself to the priest. And so they turned around to go. And the Bible says when they turned, they were healed. What an incredible miracle. There's power in obedience. That was free. I won't even charge you. But as they turned, they were healed. They looked away and God ministered. They did what they were told. And God blessed. And they saw instantly as the leprosy shriveled up. And I don't know how it looked. The Bible doesn't say, but it it shriveled up and it disappeared and it was gone. And they realized that we have been healed. We're no longer unclean. We're now able to visit with our families. We're able to live in the city. We're able to participate again. We're not unclean. We're not destined to live outside of these walls in seclusion for the rest of our life. But the Bible says there was one man, he was a a Samaritan. Jesus called him a foreigner. The word foreigner here is the same word that was inscribed on the walls in the temple to tell you who was not allowed in there. It was a word of description. It would say that, that the Samaritan was not allowed to be in the temple See, the Samaritan was a half Jew and a half Gentile. He was not an heir to the promise of Abraham. He didn't even have the right to be healed. 
But Jesus healed him anyway. And he is the only one that returned to give thanks. And when he did, Jesus said, your faith, you returning here and being thankful is going to mean that you get a second part of your miracle and that is I'm going to make you whole. The word whole in this scripture setting in Luke chapter 17 means entire. In an unbroken or undamaged state. Now I want that to sink in for a second. Jesus is telling the Samaritan, your act of being thankful means I'm going to restore you to an undamaged an unbroken state. In other words, God gave him his fingers back. God gave him his toes back. God gave him his ears and his nose and these things that leprosy had eaten away. God destroyed the evidence that he was ever sick. God destroyed the evidence of his past. God destroyed the evidence of what had once afflicted him. He took it all away because of thanksgiving. It was God's mercy that healed him, but it was this Samaritan's thanksgiving that made him whole. The power of thanksgiving is that it makes us whole. It makes us complete. It makes us entire. It makes us into a state of unbrokenness. Thanksgiving can remove the evidence of your past. Thanksgiving can remove the evidence of your past and restore unto you the things that your past has taken away from you. Well, I got two amens. I hear it occasionally. Oh, Brother Merrill, you just, you have no idea what's happened in the past and how it's affected me. I find it hard to worship. I find it hard to praise. I find it hard to pray. I find it hard just to be faithful because you see what you don't understand is this this circumstance and this situation and, and some of them are grievous and horrible. Thanksgiving, the Bible tells us that Thanksgiving can restore you to an unbroken, undamaged state and God will restore to you the things that your past has taken from you simply by being thankful. Simply by being thankful. There is a power in thanksgiving that is so seldom harnessed. And because I'm visual, I like to see things. I like to see, even in my mind and my imagination, which is wild sometimes. And I see God's power much like a fighter jet. And if if you'll indulge me just a few minutes here, it's sitting on an aircraft carrier. And I've watched 
fighter jets, the videos of them take off of aircraft carriers many, many times. I find it so fascinating how you get a large piece of metal from standstill to full flight in such a short period of time. And boy, what those guys go through when that thing takes off. I like horsepower. And that's horsepower. I don't like weak and anemic equipment. If you're going to use it, it needs to have a power. Right? But they sit on that aircraft carrier and you'll watch them. There's this little tether that keeps the front wheels locked. And, and so you'll see them as they begin and they're t- the takeoff process and they've gotten clearance and they, they, they take that engine and they just full throttle. And man, those afterburners kick in and you see that flame, it starts off wide and then you see those, those tail fins take and they, they, they funnel all of that thrust down to a very small blue flame and it's hot back there, man. You put a marshmallow back there, that dude's roasted instantly. And there's all of this power and there's all of this, this might ready to take this airplane and catapult it into the sky to go on its mission to do what it's what it's supposed to do and it's sitting there and it's it's all harnessed up and man you can just feel that plane struggling against this power and it's just the the wings are creaking and the metal is stressed and it's ready to go there's one problem it's tethered And so for all of the the might that this plane has and for all of its capabilities of of handling G-forces and negative Gs and all the weapons and and everything that it has in this highly experienced, highly trained pilot and this $60 million price tag that we get to pay for and never even get to ride in one. It's held back by a little bitty tether. All it needs for it to do its job, all this harness power needs to be released to do what it's supposed to do is somebody to go on a button and release the tether. That's it. And that's what Thanksgiving does. Inside of our lives, there is all of this power of God, and it's, it's full throttle. And the afterburners are kicked in. And our lives are ready to catapult into our destinies and into our purposes to fulfill this great mission and this great commission that God has called for us. And, and it's all, we're ready and we're amped up. And boy, God, just... And there's, things, there's this tether And thanksgiving releases that power. Think about the leper. When Jesus spoke the first time and said, go show yourself to the priest, did Jesus at that point have the power to make them whole? Sure he did. He could have said, turn around, you're healed and be made and whole right now. But he didn't do that. 
It was somebody's thanksgiving that said, you know what, I'm going to release my full power right now in your life. You just cut the tether, oh Samaritan man. You don't deserve it. You're not supposed to get it. But because you're thankful, I'm going to release my power in your life. And when he releases his power, you're going to be made whole. God's going to restore some things that have been taken from you. And he's going to remove the evidence of the past. No wonder then that Paul said in his text that we read a while ago in Colossians. Writing to the church in Colossae, he gives us this commandment. And be ye thankful. He doesn't give any exclusions to this commandment. Paul doesn't get eloquent and say, what I want you to do, folks, is to survey your life and survey your current circumstance and survey your financial situation and survey the climate around you and if you find sufficient reason, then be thankful. Paul doesn't say it has to be going fairly good in your life to be thankful. He just says to the church, be ye thankful. So if you're here this morning as you stand and you look at life and you say, you know what, I don't have a lot to be thankful for, then be thankful because it's a commandment. But how would life change if we could learn to be thankful despite everything else? Somebody wrote a poem. It's unknown. As far as I can tell, it's unknown. But it said, If one should give me a dish of sand and tell me there were particles of iron in it, I might look for them with my clumsy fingers and be unable to detect them. But let me take a magnet and sweep through it and it would draw to itself the most invisible particles. The unthankful heart, like my finger in the sand, discovers no mercies. But let a thankful heart sweep through the day And as the magnet finds the iron, so it will find some heavenly blessing. It's the purpose of Thanksgiving. It's to prepare us just to meet with God. To entertain His presence. To be in His presence. To minister to Him. And to be ministered to by Him. The place of thanksgiving is right where you're at. Whether you're in the fish's belly or whether you're on dry land, where you are currently in your current situation is the perfect place for you to be thankful. And then the power of thanksgiving restores to us things that have been taken from us at heals us 
that restores us to an unbroken and undamaged state. That's the power of thanksgiving. So this morning, as they begin to play and sing, it is our custom at Grace Church. I'm going to invite everybody to come to the front. But this morning, we're not coming with petition. We're not coming with needs. We're not coming saying, God, with our laundry list of issues and problems. Let's just come this morning. If, if you have friends and family here, would you gather with them? And just put your arm around them or hold their hand, whatever's appropriate, and say, God, I thank you for my friend. I thank you for my, my family that's here today. Would you just be, can we be thankful for a few moments? Survey your life, and, and you'll see the bad and all of that, but, but there's a lot of good. There's a lot of blessing. And can we just be thankful this morning? Hallelujah. Let's, be, let's worship him and be thankful. Jesus, we're so thankful today.